And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premier podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's website. Go there, episode 254.5. I almost messed that up. We have two brand spanking hot new episode. Wait, interviews for you today. (laughs) Audio only. I just hit the mic. Uh, you don't get to see me sitting in a sweater that I may or may not have recorded the next episode of this show in. Uh, here we are. Uh, we've got two interviews with two night court people. The first interview will be, uh, and I've and I've structured this like a late night show. I got the A slot, I got the B slot, and I got the theme song, <laughs> and and I got the the musical transitions and I got the closing music ooh baby we got it all a slot first first interview rather instead of just saying a b first interview is with India de Beaufort I don't know if that's how I pronounce the last name she's a fantastic actress uh from from the world of of uh the the night court where she plays Olivia Part of the main cast. She's the uh, what, what? What? Olivia's the assistant district attorney. Uh, she's her her character is uh, very funny. Uh, also in the interview, I bring up All Hail King Julian, which is one of my uh, favorite recent children's shows. That was airing there on the Netflix where she played uh, Clover, as well as Crimson. So go check out All Hail King Julian if you love the Madagascar world. It's a spinoff of Madagascar. It's a prequel and a spinoff that leads directly into the first movie. It's so good. She was also on Veep. And you also saw her as Avery, where she, on uh, One Day at a Time, where she was acting alongside Todd Grinnell, who is her husband. Man, what a funny couple that is. I enjoy one day at a time. I definitely had to mention that as well. But we're here talking about Night Court. Night Court is back, baby. You know it. I've talked about it on the show proper, I believe. Uh, I enjoy the original series of Night Court, and to have a follow-up, and I mean this. I said this. I said this to both Stephanie and uh, Olivia, uh, India, I believe. Olivia. <laughs> and you don't know who Stephanie is. I'm about, I'm about to bring her up. <laughs> I love Night Court. I love the original. I think this follow-up is also good. And I, and I say it's hard to have a follow-up to a show and it be good. And I, and I, and I referenced the uh, Murphy Brown one because that one did not, was not good. But then you also have shows like uh, The Connors. We're not here talking about those. We're here talking about Night Court. <laughs> All right. And then uh, after the India interview, I have, uh, which was sadly short, shortened from the original time we were supposed to have, but not my uh, fault. <laughs> no one's fault. No one's fault. And then after that, we have Stephanie Weir, who is a veteran improv comedian and actress. From uh, she's going to be on an episode of Night Court. I believe her episode already aired. The actually like the day before I interviewed her, or no, the day of the day I interviewed her. That doesn't mean anything. Who cares? She's from Mad TV. You might know her as playing uh, uh, Anna Nicole Smith from Mad TV. I have a, like, you know, I'll tell you a little secret. I am in the middle. I'm, I'm recording another episode after this, and the cam, the webcam is still on. The camera I use to record the video is still on, and I keep looking at the feed and I keep looking at the camera as if, because you know, I'm a professional. I'm a professional, and I do 
things right. And I look at the camera when I'm speaking to it sometimes. Back to Stephanie. Stephanie was also on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which, if you know me, is my second favorite television show of all time. The Simpsons is number one, then Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Mad Men, SNL, they fall in after that somewhere. What else? What else? What else? She was also uh, in the Mighty Ducks Game Changers, which I believe is the sequel series to Mighty Ducks, but also I think she was in the second season of that show. You've seen her around. She's so funny. She plays uh, uh, sometimes a lot of uh, dim-witted or crazy characters. Uh, she also performs around um, uh, doing improv with her husband, Robert Dassey. She's also been a writer on shows like Raising Hope. And uh, she also... <clears throat> Jeez Louise, I'm getting a little choked up here. You know, I've been watching Stephanie since, you know, on Mad TV days. Which is true. I was so eager to talk to her. And then it happened, and then I, and then I was, the eagerness continued. Doesn't make it sound like was was such a bad thing. Okay, well, that's the that's all I got for, for these intros. Uh, so you'll hear India first, which is about 10 minutes, and then you'll hear Stephanie's next, which is about 20-ish. Or less than 20. I Quite frankly, I forgot. All right, well, if you like what you heard here, oh, check out Night Court on NBC. It's a great show. Just put it on. Just turn it. Go on Peacock. Pay the $5. Put it on. Watch a bunch of episodes back to back. I usually watch two episodes back to back. I w- one time I took a uh, I, I do this I do the surveys that that streaming networks or you know companies send out to you that are, that in your email. If I if I like a company, I'll do a Target survey. I'll do a Netflix survey. And speaking of which, I did a I did a Hulu survey once. And this will all this will always stick with me. I did a Hulu survey where it asked, uh, "How do you watch TV shows or something like that?" And then it's and then and then there's like, "Do you binge watch them?" And then they gave their definition of binging in parentheses. They said in a parenthetical rather. They gave they gave their uh, no parentheses <laughs> it would be parenthetical. It's not a, it's not an action uh, or describing what a character is doing. I'm thinking in terms of a script. The uh, the the parentheses said. Uh, Hulu defines binge watching as watching three or more episodes of a show. And I have been using that definition for uh, binge watching. Yesterday, I binge watched three episodes of Hello Tomorrow. But uh, I also watched, only watched two episodes of The Simpsons. They did an Oscars all day marathon. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop doing that. Okay. Night Court. NBC, uh, follow us on uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, at C Plus Comedy, me on those, at Chad Black White. If you want to listen to the other podcasts, which I urge you to do, subscribe to LinkedIn Logs, where I try to be the number one linked influencer and now the number one OnlyFan. <laughs> this is a little side quest. And then uh, what's the other show I do? Uh, Late Night Lately which is the uh, late, late night show show. 
talk about the best of late night of the week. Uh, video versions of those podcasts, as well as the constitutionals, not this episode. On uh, youtube.com slash comedy, alongside News Time, which is our premiere show, where I take a topic and I boil it down with sometimes comedic results. Okay. <laughs> Eight minutes. Almost nine. Okay, here we go. India is coming up first. I'll see you on the other side. I'm doing well. What about yourself? I'm good. Look at that incredible painting. Thank you. I did not make it myself. I made it. I found it at a, um, a, a antique store that is now closed. What? That is so cool. And it's I, huge. I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I bought it because it, it makes me look like a, a Coke dealer uh, when I'm not. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it makes you look an art collector. Like a, oh yes, like a very like a very uh yeah. someone who enjoys the nice the finer things that and this um which typewriter I'm seeing it yeah <laughs> I I'm glad I'm glad I could impress you uh, it's 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 tough it's tough you know trying to impress people who who work in the industry <laughs> I'm very impressed very impressed not that me being impressed matters at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean it does you know what I I it's as someone who is uh, uh is on. And and now in my favorite um, universe of sitcoms, two of my favorite universes of sitcoms, it's uh you know it's it's tough, man. You you are you are killing it. You're killing it in, in terms of uh, multicam comedy. I'm I'm talking of course of um, uh, Night Court and uh, and One Day at a Time, which are just two of the funniest shows I've seen in my entire life. Oh, that's so lovely, and I'm so glad you've also seen One Day at a Time. That show is like. It's, I, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but I'm married to Schneider. Yes. Uh, and so that show is like an extension of our heart. I, I, the, that show is our family. Right. I mean, it's, it's, I, I know I, if that show was still going on and, and Night Court was happening, I don't know if you could do both, but it's, 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 it was amazing how, how that, how both of these shows are two updates of older television shows from generally the same uh, time period in, in TV and they came out and now these new ones came out around the same time and they, and they've translated so well. It's, it's like, uh, it, it's so lucky. It's so lucky that, that these two things have happened and, and that, you know, especially for one day at a time, it can showcase people who don't typically, at least now, or even back then have had, have chances as showcases. And, uh, and then for night court, I mean, we have this cast full of, you know, Brown people, uh, it's 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 funny still too. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's high time that we were being respectful and and also reflecting the reality of what our world is. It's incredible that um, one day at a time was such a phenomenal example of uh, an an amazing Latinx family, so beautifully represented by Gloria Calderon Kellett and Mike Royce. Gloria is Cuban, and she was basically telling her own story um, and this incredible TV show that should still be on the air that I can't believe is not, uh, was universal. It spoke universally to everybody, but represented um, the Latinx audience in a way that just doesn't happen enough. Um, and again, with Night Court, it is awesome to look around and see that we're reflecting society in, in a progressive way, in the way that we always should have. Um, and 
those conversations are being had on set nonstop, whether it's background actors, whether it's the guest stars that come in, whether it's, you know, whether or not we have male or female bailiffs, whether it's not, you know, how we're representing each community, because we are also, it's a courtroom. So, uh, you know, who, who are our defendants, who are our prosecutors, who are, who's sitting in the gallery? These are all conversations that need to be had um, to make sure that we are representing 2023 as we should be. We're so far behind and everybody's trying to catch up. Um, but at least now this conversation is out there and being had and um, people are doing the work by no means enough, but it's beginning. Yeah. And and the fact that Night Court is popular, it's probably the most popular news show on, uh, I, I don't know these numbers, but on uh, on broadcast, the way that, you know, uh, NBC and, and Peacock are just promoting it and pushing it out. I mean, it's it's fantastic to to see, especially a multicam uh, when when it's we're in a world full of single camera sitcoms, uh, you know, save for CBS shows, uh, to to like to lead the pack in terms of comedy, and and it's funny. It's 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 so funny. The situations are so reminiscent of things that happened in the late '80s and the early '90s when it comes to sitcoms. And I, I just how was that? Was it an easy decision for you to join the show and 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 join the storied world of Night Court? Absolutely. I mean, multicam is to me the biggest challenge there is. Um, I was all I've ever wanted was to shoot a, a multicam as a series regular, um, and uh, it's it's so interesting the loop of the way it goes. People decide, oh well, multicam is nobody's really making those anymore. They're they kind of gone out of style. Now we're all making awkward. Uh, office space comedies. Oh, okay. Now we're done with awkward space office comedies. Now we're going to go and make these like giant, sweeping, enormous stunts, craziness, uh, dramedies that are listed as comedies, but actually are very dark. Oh, well, now we're done with that. And so it's fascinating that people decide that these are trends and they forget that actually it's pockets of audience. Some people love a multicam. Some people love you know, the the office, some people love Barry. Um, and we can have all of those things and they can all coexist at the same time. Um, and we can celebrate them all uniquely. It's just, it's saving space for each of them and doing it right. And the one thing that I think NBC really did right when it comes to Night Court is they publicized Night Court the way they used to publicize shows in the 80s and 90s. It was every billboard, every bus, every subway stop, every you know, uh, they were throwing them on during the Super Bowl and, and you know, it, the, the commercials are just going and going and going. And um, it meant that people knew we were there because how else do you find a show when there's 50 billion shows in the universe? Right. Um, so that pulled the audience in. And then when when they got to us, we didn't reimagine the wheel. We we made a continuation of a beloved show um, and we respected the style of multicam and everybody was on board with that task and, and wanting to have the same result, um, which was to make an updated 2023 version of something that's beloved. Um, it wasn't broke, so we didn't fix it. We just carried it on. And um, it's a lot to try to live up to what Night Court was. Um, and, you know, from what I'm gathering from our audience is that people are feeling that we managed to pull that off respectfully um, whilst also making it fresh to the, the current audience. Right. I, and then like to like to 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 bounce off what you were saying about not reinventing the the wheel. It's yeah, the continuation thing is important. I, I think, you know, when shows falter, uh, like the Murphy Brown reboot that that came about a couple years ago, that was kind of bringing in the audience on the joke and it just didn't work out. Whereas for a show like Night Court uh, and even One Day at a Time, 
it's you're working with people who have been in who had still been working inside that multicam world and now you're with melissa and john and and they're two just mega stars in terms of in terms of sitcoms and were you able to pull or what were you able to pull away from from them uh when you joined the cast and 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 you know even if there's a mentorship role on that level i just watch them nonstop. they're both so respectful that um, I don't think either of them would ever tread on the foot of another actor without it being asked for. Um, whereas I'm always just like, John, give it, give me, give me the skinny. Tell me how I do this. Give me something here. What do I got? Do you see a bit? If you see a bit, let me know. Like, uh, if there's something I'm missing or not catching or because I want to absorb all of the brilliance that is on that set. And Melissa, God bless her is, is so busy. She's wearing 50 billion hats. Um, so I bother her far less uh, for <laughs> acting coaching, um, but I would take it from from either of them, because as you say, they are two of the greats and and it's a thrill to get to watch them work. Would you uh, the the old night court, they had a lot more weirder um, uh, cases that they were dealing with. Would you like to see a return to that? Just bring in more like alien, like the Star Trek guys who were who, yeah. who fought the fought the other Star Trek guys or Star Wars guys or whatever. And I, yeah. just, I want to see more weird stuff like that. I'm down for all of it. You know, I think that a show like Night Court is a people expect us to be um, a little bit out there. And so why not run with it? Why not run with the fun of the fact that we're not making a documentary. This mm -hmm. isn't a documentary of yeah. the legal system. This is a, a, a comedic spot for you to come and hang out with people that you love, a bunch of misfits that make you laugh. So the more misfits we bring in week by week, the better as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, India, I think I have all I need. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I do wanna tell you, when if they ever bring back All Hail Jean King Julian or anything from the Madagascar <laughs> world, you got to jump back in there. Just, just please tell your agent, tell tell everybody, just get get you get you back into that Madagascar world because it all ties together. And I and I can't believe I'm an adult who enjoys that. I love Clover, Clover and Crimson <laughs> for life. <laughs> all right, thanks. Have a good one. Pleasure to meet you. Bye. Pleasure to meet you. Bye. Stephanie. Hi. Oh, how, how's it going? Life is good. Really good. Yeah. How about you? I'm doing well. Uh, I do apologize. If you hear any like scraping going on in the background, the, there's some men working on our apartment uh, floors outside and they okay. just started like two minutes ago. <laughs> of course. I'll apologize in advance if my, my dogs, if a squirrel tries to break into our house, mm, you're going to okay. hear them. I was just, I've got the lo-fi on and they're mm. like settled, but you know. It'll all work out. We'll get through this, right? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, we'll we'll do our best. I, I, I don't know why these uh, things always have to happen to us in the middle of the important times of day. Right. I know. I know. Uh, so how how is uh, how's acting going? How's how is everything in the comedy world for you? Uh, things are good. Um, I've been uh, doing a lot of guest star stuff lately, and finished up Mighty Ducks. It's been um, several months ago, but it's it's good. And my husband and I perform comedy together. Have for years. We were improvisers, and so yeah, playing on that, and in life is good. 
That's great to hear. I, uh, you know, I've I, obviously I, I know you from Mad TV, and I and I've seen you do dozens of impressions and everything. And it's it's interesting because the last couple of years we've seen a dip in sketch shows and sketch comedy and everything. And and like it's it it feels as though shows like Mad TV were the last bastion in the early two thousands for for that type of comedy. Um. Yeah. It's like in front of a live audience kind of comedy. I mean, I think. It- was very well replaced with like Key and Peele mm. and Amy Schumer and those things. Um, I, and, and you know, it always, comedy just kind of goes back and forth. And I think we're, we're due for, um, you know, Saturday Night Live will always be there, but I think we're due for another live in, you know, in-person sketch show. It just has to feel fresh and, and ready. Cause I love that, um, you know, live audience vibe. And it's always fun to play in front of as a comedian and someone will, someone's going to get it right and, and get on it. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, like even thinking of Key and Peele, which I believe you were on, correct? Mm-hmm, I was on an episode. And, you know, we, those guys started at Mad TV and we had crossover. Um, yeah. A couple of years, I believe, but yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, I like they they innovation they found a way to do it especially like what in the first two seasons where they were kind of following Chappelle's lead with the stand-up bits in front of the audience and that lead into the sketches but then later on they went into pre-planned like storylines where they especially in the last season when they were driving towards uh I guess in the desert towards the unknown but I I think yeah innovation is the thing that can help drive comedy to drive people to do more different expressive things when it comes to uh, finding out what the limits are of comedy. Um, yeah. And I think those two Keegan and um, Jordan, I really loved that. They, they kind of had a short concise run of their show and watching it evolve. Like by that last season, you could kind of see where Jordan was heading you know, with the next phase of like how he saw comedy and working it into, um, you know, these, you know, ideas that just paved his own path. It was so original. I'm with you. And and I'm excited to see what's next. And I feel like, you know, so much of the ground is being laid on YouTube and some of the shorter, you know, thing, comedy bits that we're seeing TikTok. I have high schoolers and, and a junior high schooler. And so they keep me up to date on like what they're watching and what holds their attention. And, you know, it's kind of foreign to me, but I can see that it's leading to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Does it, speaking of TikTok and, and these online short form videos, does mm-hmm. it feel, do you feel a need to keep up or do you, do you feel like you're, I don't want to say out of touch, but just not you know, going along with the comedy, even though you can see it's there, something that I, doesn't, because for me, that's what I feel like I, and I'm in that age bracket of people mm-hmm. who should be using it, understanding it, but I just mm-hmm. don't feel like I'm, I'm the, I'm the target audience based on mm-hmm. the things that I watch, including, you know, episodes of mad TV or crazy ex-girlfriend or something. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I never feel a need to keep up. I just, you know, life's just too busy. And I don't think if I think if it wasn't for my high schoolers and stuff, I probably wouldn't know about it as, as much as I do. I'm always like, please get off your phone. And, you know, they're like, just, I want to show you this one thing. And then, mm-hmm. you know, an hour later, we're, I'm still, you know, laughing at whatever. Um, so I'm, 
but I don't, uh, honestly, it's not how I would digest comedies. They show me stuff sometimes that I'm, I'm like, I, I just don't, I don't see how, the, how it's funny or whatever, but I, but my kids also love the office. Like they, they digest larger chunks of comedy. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering, you know, um, where it will, you know, where it will fall. And I, and I've been, you know, saying to them, like, I love nothing more than a multicam and, and kind of bringing it back to this show of night court, um, wanting to see someone hit the target of kind of an old school multicam, but something that feels fresh and watchable for, you know, me and my kids. Right. Yeah. I, uh, see, I came to night court in the most roundabout way. I, a couple of years ago, I had a job where I was, um, more or less the standards and practices of a network here in Atlanta. And Mm. they, they, while they had uh, TV shows that they made themselves, the the big thing was acquisitions. And one of the shows that they acquired was Night Court, the original Night Court series. So I I was in charge of like having to watch every episode, making sure that it fit within standards and practices. And, you know, for some shows, it was great. Law and Order, I saw a lot of that. Uh, according to Jim, you know, they had that, or uh, the home improvement. But oh, uh-huh. when when it was a bad show, I, I just tried to get through as fast as possible. But when I, when I started Night Court, I had no idea what it was. And I knew it came on. I knew Harry Anderson left Cheers for it. And I started uh, uh, watching it. And it, I just instantly fell in love because it is so quick and so funny. And I still think it stands the test of time to this day. And mm-hmm. when I heard that it was coming back for a new uh, reboot, a continuation, I thought like this show is so ripe for it, even if, you know, some of the cast members are long gone. But I, th- I think that uh, there's a lot of shows that came back that weren't that aren't funny. And this version of Night Court is just it it, it really f- fills that void of what the old Night Court was. Uh, you know, even I just, I just love it. It's, it's so great. And to see that, uh, you know, you're going to be a part of that world, uh, as a, I believe a, a podcast host, correct? Yes. I'm making a single appearance as a podcast host, just a kind of a guest who, you know, stirs the pot a little yeah. bit. Um, and I couldn't agree with you more. I feel like, you know, we see, especially right now, a lot of reboots, a lot of, you know, um, some hits some misses but from the beginning I felt like they really approached this in such a smart way and um yeah yeah that's not an easy thing to do to revisit something that we've all already seen and it just feels very fresh yeah and you know a a podcast I, I like it when there's a reboot and then they have to introduce like new elements of the new world like internet <laughs> and wi-fi like so a podcast cell definitely phones, fits right. in. <laughs> oh yeah totally it, it's great how did you uh how did you approach uh, I, I know it's a one-time character but how mm-hmm. did you approach uh your your is Rameka? am i correct in pronouncing yes okay. yes and um uh the you know the uh, how i approached it i just i have some experience as in broadcast journalism. So I was trying to approach it that way. And then also, you know, we've all listened to serial and some of the more serious. And so trying to, to bridge that, I think at the end of the day, I was just leaning on feeling out the audience and feeling the timing of things and just trying to, you know, you know, make sure that the comedy was there and that the connections with the other characters and that I was at least moving, you know, doing what I was supposed to do, which was, you know, um, 
kind of ignite a flame within this this ensemble. Right. So uh, now I think, so you can probably answer this for me. Is there a live co- uh, audience in front of the the cast? There is. Yeah, it's shot in front of a live audience, which was another reason I was so eager to do it. I just, and when you have a cast like this one with John Marquette and Michelle, who has a ton of experience playing in front of a live audience from Big Bang, mm-hmm. um, they, you can really tell right away, they've got a real firm get grip on, you know, a, a playing the moment, but also keying into the audience and letting that affect the comedy like you would in a real stage show, live stage show. Mm-hmm. And um, both so quick on their feet, so fun to play with. Yeah, I what I think what needs to happen is we go back to the days of uh, sitcoms of the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of the show, they need to say the words, this is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Because I was so confused. I People are laughing when I'm laughing. I, I didn't know what was going on. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes I feel like they need to shoot. They need to, to turn to the audience so you can connect the voice with the laughter because it does always feel so canned sometimes, you know, right. and, uh, you know, disjointed. Um, that's so interesting. Uh, yeah, I love a multicam. I crave them and go back, you know, I'll go all the way back to Golden Girls, you know, to, to get a fix. I feel like, I don't know, something about that medium just really appeals to me. And um, so I'm excited about this show. Yeah. With it feeling like a stage play and you're doing, you know, uh, like a week, a week's worth of work versus for like a single camera, you've got to do uh, a couple of days here and there. Maybe, maybe it takes a couple of weeks. Is that, do you ever feel like you're, uh, I don't want to say, uh, you know, a part of the crew, part of the cast, like you're welcomed in, uh, or does it just feel like it's another job, another gig? I got to keep moving forward. Every, you know, uh, every guest star thing is different. This felt very much like you, I was, you know, very welcomed in part of the ensemble, part of the creative process too, because there was a little bit of finding this character and making it fit what I was capable of doing and tweaking it to what I was bringing. Um, so um, it can it can it can be both. It can feel like a day's work, but with the multicam, the schedule just because you're all together running the show all together, and when you're not, you know, it's not your scene. You're still there doing the run through um, because you do them back to back, and you kind of you know run it in front of the network and in front of the studio so they can give notes. So it feels like an ensemble, like you're doing a play um, and you know a performance, and which really benefits the show, I think, because it feels cohesive. Um, And you definitely don't always get that with a a single cam. You maybe have a table read where you are all together and feel that glue, but you're absolutely right. Like there are times where, you know, if you just have a scene, odd scene, you don't even see anybody else. You don't see any of the other scenes. So Mm. yeah, this this definitely makes it feel like a, a group dynamic. It's special that way. Now with that, with it kind of running like a machine for for the multicams, does mm-hmm. it, is there ever room for you to improv, you know, coming from a world that is unscripted and, and able, and you're able to throw in every show or every, you know, uh, line, something different. Does it ever feel too rigid? Uh, for multicam? You, yes. you mean, actually, I think it's just the opposite. And I've worked on several multicams and um, 
there it's my absolute favorite once you've got a take that's clean and what they need to service the script and if you feel like it, it, you know you've been given permission to do it, it it's the best place to improvise and John Larquette is fantastic at throwing in a line but staying within the the borders that you need to service the story or whatever you know when you're improvising it's easy to take some sort of tangent that is not going to work at all um, but he plays he was really fun to play off of and there was a little room for play for me to improvise and um you just you know the audience is so surprised because you're doing more than one take in front of a live studio audience so they're ready to hear the same scene and when you throw in a different line or the writers have run in and give you an alternate you know uh line or or switched up your dialogue it always makes it feel so much fresher for the audience everybody involved because they're in on the recording process they're they're part of that experience and so important to it um so it feels, you know, when, it, when when you're doing it right and it's on, you know, working, it really, you know, at the end of it, I feel like we all want to high five each other and the audience. Like we did it. We made it. It's only 930. <laughs> you know, we weren't here till midnight. You know, everybody remembered their lines. So it kind of feels like a victory. And, and hopefully that comes across on screen, too, when you're watching it, you know, in the best case scenario. How do you uh, how do you keep your energy up, especially for these like for shoot day for, you know, I think mm. you guys uh, uh, the multicams, do they still shoot on Fridays? Like, is that is that still a thing? There's some alternate there's some uh, varying schedules. There are some that shoot okay. like on a Tuesday night or whatever. But if I'm recalling because this we shot this a, a bit ago, I, I feel like it was a Monday through Friday and Friday night we did the, sh the shoot. I could, you know, if I'm way wrong, someone will let me know. Um, but um Keeping your energy up, I think it's just uh, for me a live knowing a live audience is there and you're performing it in front of people that immediately keeps my energy up. I have a harder time on a single camera where you are, I mean, literally have doze marks on your face because you have no idea when you're going to actually show up to do your scene and then you got to kind of turn it on and caffeinate and, you know, do all the whatever. Um, so for a multi-cam, I feel like it's a little bit more of a predictable schedule. And so maintaining your energy and just that live audience, when you see them being loaded in, you don't have any, any choice, but to feel jazzed and a little bit nervous in a good way. Yeah. Are you still doing uh, improv with a, with a troupe or like just popping up at shows here and there? You know, my husband and I have done an improv show together um, uh, uh, called Weird Ass. My last name is Weird. His last name is Dassey. So we've been Weird Ass for 20 years now. And we started doing this show together, a two-person improv show years ago. We still get invited to come to festivals. So we're, we're headed to Austin in a few months and we'll be, um, I think we're going to Bozeman. And um, so I do improvise. And oh, I've got a show in LA on the 23rd. Um, improvising with him um and so yeah I, I still do i think there was a long break with the pandemic and had to kind of dust it all off but nothing like being on stage yeah and how do you how do you approach you know working with your husband and then also working with other improvisers uh how do you approach developing a show or, or working on a show and making sure that it's fit for an audience to enjoy uh a scripted show um or, 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 or an improv show. An improv show, you know, you just really have to, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. So I feel like we're pretty skilled at uh, knowing how to yes and each other, knowing how to get a, a good positive product on the stage in front of an audience in improv. I mean, you're just kind of making it up as you go along, but within 
you know, there are guides, you know, guidelines for improvisation. Um, I've done shows where you've improvised and used those, that material to create a scripted show. My husband and I have done that before where you do a scripted show. And, um, you know, that's, that's another skill set. It's just trial and error, almost like stand-up comedy. You know, you something you think is going to work doesn't, and then you just have to kind of edit it out until you get something polished that you feel good putting a name on and, and presenting. Did, uh, did you two meet in the world of comedy? Like, we, or, or did you? Okay, wow, all right. We did, man. We go way back. We had uh, my first improv class at Second City in Chicago. My husband was in that class. And so I know, I mean, my husband I, and my best friend that is still my best friend today. And I have so many friends that I gained from the improv scene in Chicago. So yeah, that's where we met, we did a scripted show the week before we got married um, together. Oh, I mean, no. that's, I know, that's how much we were performing together. I was like, well, if we can survive this, I guess we should go ahead and follow through on getting married. Um, and so we did. Yeah, and it's worked I, out. <laughs> it is, yeah, really, 20 years later. I mean, improv <laughs> is really the test. That's a strange test for marriage, but it seems to have been the, the ultimate best one for the both of you. Yeah. Oh, for, for sure. Good observation. Good observation. We're still improvising all the time. Yeah. Just trying to, you know, get to the next scene of life. That's all we're doing, you know, yeah. playing a zip zap zop with the kids when they're young. Oh my gosh. That's what we say. That's why we had children is so we'd have an audience, you know, that was really the whole point before for it. So, <laughs> and, uh, and so, so you you guys were making shows. How do you, mm -hmm. when you were at uh, MTV, uh, MTV, excuse me, Mad TV. Uh, well, I call it MTV. I call it Mad TV MTV because I have way too much time on my hands. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you when you were developing characters over there, what how was how was that process for you? Was it was it something like I'm I'm going to try to do Anna Nicole Smith and that's that's going to be my best proxy? Or how did you approach going and and making things up? You know, I've always kind of been a sponge and good at. Uh, taking character traits that I see around me. And, you know, even as a kid being able to kind of incorporate them physically. So it's always come from a um, lots of family ticks that I've done, you know, over the years that I, I've kind of glommed from that. And that's how I've always approached my comedy. I'm not really a great impersonation kind of person as far as, um, uh, you know, like Nicole Parker, who was on our show, she, she is stellar. She has this, her voice is her tool and she can just change it. Anna Nicole Smith, I just happened to sound just like her because we were born, both born in Texas on the exact same day. Oh, wow. Not far from each other. So, you know, when she started coming out with this reality show and then somebody in the writing room put together that you know, if you close your eyes and Stephanie has maybe had a drink, she really sounds like Anna Nicole Smith. And, you know, so that was how that was born. I was always a little uncomfortable doing her because, you know, I just, I don't know, felt like I was making fun of a real person. And, and mm -hmm. it was, you know, that was a tough journey to watch. Yeah. And um, so, so true impersonations were never my strong suit. It was more about character work and, um, lovable losers. I've always been, I've always been fond of the old ladies. I'm growing into that eventual role of playing the old woman I was always meant to be. So anyway. 
Yeah, it reminds me of uh, your character from uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She like I think that's a that's a very good distillation di- distillation of what what you just said. It's a uh, she's she was I don't want to say desperate, but like very, very really wanting in life, and 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 that's why she was so stand out. Oh, she was a melting pot of every bad quality I have personally or have glommed from from my family and friends. She was so much fun to do. It's such a weirdo. It was great. Yeah. Did you ever want to uh, sing your own songs for that show? Um, I don't have a great singing voice. I, uh, you know, I can carry a tune, but the people on that show were skilled. Mm-hmm. Like you enjoyed hearing their voices behind the music. Um, they gave me a few little things to kind of vocalize. And I think that was enough. I think we all were like, okay, plenty. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there, is there anything you know, as a as as somebody who guests on a lot of shows, uh, mm-hmm. I, I I mean, I get that there's this this want of I need to have like a, a my own my own type of platform and and do my own thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, is that is that something that you are still striving for, or have you settled into I'm going to play a, a character A's best friend? I don't think you can really chart this journey you know there are so many variables when you're when you're doing this I write and have developed for TV for many years I made a good part of my living writing on TV series and and uh developing a a dozen multi-cams um and a lot of them I've created for me um and that's what I continue that's a target I continue to want to hit and um I'm working on something currently and I post a lot of um, kind of sketch character stuff. Uh, my husband and I have a, a YouTube channel called Weird Ass. Um, and so, yeah, I'm always kind of continuing working towards that. But I, I absolutely love what I do. I love the opportunities that I get. And um, it's all just kind of I guess we'll see we'll see what happens but to answer your question yeah ideally um, I want to I'm writing I would like to write something for myself and and move forward with that yeah yeah I mean I love that because I think you know especially with your background in improv and and then also having worked in sketch it's your brain is fit for everybody has different you know Mm -hmm. uh, paths and traits and everything but I think people like with your background are, are perfectly fit and matched for being able to make TV shows that'll fit in with the person who likes to watch comedy versus mm-hmm. the person who likes to dip in and out. Because that's, I think that's what's, what stays the most is, you know, when, when a, when a show is just, you know, strikingly funny, like reboot on uh, Hulu that mm-hmm. like people stick with it. And they, and even if the show's canceled, those people still continue to watch it and enjoy it versus mm-hmm. a, a bigger show that just doesn't have that many laughs. Yeah, I agree. Thanks for saying that. Um, I feel like a lot of the shows that I watch and enjoy the most and really glom onto are sometimes those kind of fringe shows that seem to have a really pure, clear voice behind them. Um, And um, yeah, I, you know, I think that's the goal for a, a lot of comedians. And for me, I have never felt more at home or keyed in than in front of a live audience. And when I was doing sketch and doing, you know, multi-cams, there's just something and, and improvisation in general, something about that dynamic that just suits me so much. And so that's always the target I'm aiming for is mm-hmm. kind of the multi-cam world of comedy. And, you know, I want to 
I want to live and create in, in, in that kind of format and see what I can do. Yeah. And, and you've already, you know, you've proven yourself in the, in the past, but there's also uh, with the, you were, weren't you a consulting producer on raising hope? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I wrote on that and the Millers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, it's the behind the scenes stuff. Like I, I, I always urge people to continue doing that because I think that's what really helps with the in front of the camera thing. And, and with like getting your voice and your face out there, because people really love that, that consistency. Oh, for sure. And I have to say there's, uh, you know, I've been in writer's rooms where uh, it's, it, it's all teamwork and there's nothing like it to feel, even if you're not in front of the camera, you know, hearing what, what you wrote or it just, it's just that teamwork ensemble work that I kind of crave um, and is very informative when you wind up in front of the camera. And I was on a show happy together a few years ago with Damon Wayans Jr. and Amber Stevens West. And um, I, the guys who created it asked me to, to play a role in it and also asked me to be on the writing side. And it was mm. so interesting to me because when I was on set in front of the camera, there was a kind of a line in the sand that, you know, like actors, you have to be really careful when you're going in to pitch a line. And I thought, well, I'm a, I'm also a writer. So, you know, all of my jokes and my are going to be welcomed, you know, wholeheartedly. And then to go over and you're kind of met with the face that a, that a writer producer gives an actor when they're pitching something. And it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's good. You know what? Maybe not this take, but we'll keep it in mind. And I was like, Oh my God, I will. I'm that, I'm that person. So anyway, it was fun to wear all the different hats and, you know, have a little empathy for one another for those roles. And mm -hmm. like you said, it, it kind of fleshes out your overall experience. So, yeah. Well, Stephanie, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I, I do appreciate this. This was a, a true delight from watching you a, a couple of years ago and still seeing you on TV. It's, it's, it's been a pleasure. It's been great. Well, pleasure was mine. Nice to yeah. meet you, Chad. Nice to meet you as well. You have a wonderful rest of your week. You too. Bye. All right. Bye.